RadioInfluence.com. It's the uh, DJ Eakin podcast. Of course, I am DJ Eakin. And get this before we even get started, because for those who happen to catch us on video and that sort of thing, um, she was supposed to be here. And um, so shouts out to Brittany, who's not here, of course. So I don't want anybody to think that suddenly, like, I finally got all the way fed up with Brittany or Brittany finally got all the way fed up with me. And she decided that she didn't want to do, you know, because Brittany and I had some, we didn't have some issues, but we made a promo. Brittany made it sound like we had some issues with my name being a little bit bigger than hers. And she agreed to all of that. That's what's really, so that's, that's a whole nother story. But welcome everybody that rocks with us to the DJ Aiken podcast. And here's the thing, before I introduce you, I, I, I don't want to hold you there long, like just looking at the camera. <laughs> there are like there are like so many things in the news cycle right now, right? They're like and and Brittany and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I was like, Brittany, it won't be long before Black Lives Matter. It'll be like seventh thing in the news cycle. And so today, right when I when I when I thought about recording, there's there's the Jeffrey Epstein madam that has gotten arrested. Um, we still got Cam Newton getting traded, getting um picked up by the Patriots in the news. Of course, probably three or four more videos have dropped on Instagram of somebody pulling a gun where they shouldn't or some somebody getting mistreated or something like that and so when i when i look at the news i'm just like here we go just like i said it's coming but then i got a text a text from you or one in my comments and for everybody who doesn't know you let me introduce you right now this is probably and i'm not just saying it because you're looking at me i'll tell you this all the time (laughs) this is probably one of my most favorite people in the entire world tony howard Lowe. and let me let me tell you why you're my most favorite person before i even get into your credentials because ever since i've met you you have been like that sister to me who it don't matter how high i think i am it don't matter how many props i might have just got you will bring me right to the earth and be like well well, let's talk about this and then yeah. I, and not that it's always a bad conversation. It'd be things that, you know, you have those people that say somebody that I'll say what you need to hear, not always what you want to hear. That has yeah. always been you. And that has always been our relationship. And I don't mean it like you just tell me about myself, like in a bad way. I mean, it's just always been real dope conversations. And I love all the things that you've accomplished. And I love how like your whole family and everything you got going on. So in the continuance of this conversation, I mean, in the news cycle, when I thought about it and I got the text from you. I was in this place. Oh, and another thing that's going on in the news, because I've gotten this text like five times today, is the Franklin Manor story has evolved. And everyone who knows about anything Franklin Manor, if you follow us here at the DJ Aiken podcast, the the Franklin Manor guy has now is getting sued by three women here in Tampa that are bringing lawsuits for for some sexual allegations. So the news cycle is just it's just moving. It, and I tell yeah. you all the time, whatever, whatever can get a bunch of hits on Instagram or these social media things is suddenly going to take over. But to me, I still don't think that we've settled how much black lives need to matter. Yeah. You know, and so before we get deeper into this conversation, again, Miss Tony Howard Lowe. And and I'm just glad that you're on the podcast. So can you can you do me a favor? Can you just give them a little bit about what you actually do? Because I think a lot of people are gonna want to hear this conversation, not only because of the yeah. whole you are the epitome of what I call black girls rock, but what you do in corporate America too. I think a lot yeah. of people can get some real insight from this conversation. So can you give us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, so thank you for having me. Um, and um, big up to Britt for letting me like steal her little shine for today. <laughs> um, but, you know, I have been on this journey for a really long time before it became popular to do, right? So I started my career traditionally in what most people know as like HR, human resources. But over the last seven to eight years, I've been highly focused on diversity and inclusion as a global leader. And I've worked for some of the top companies, you know, building out integrated strategy around this work and particularly around like equity and inclusion and systemic racism and how we kind of dismantle that within the corporate setting. Right. So on top of that, you know, I my, my moniker is, you know, the corporate T. And my goal has always been to kind of bridge the gap for underrepresented groups as it relates to your corporate journey. So I'm kind of all things career girl, career goals, you know, advice and insights have been pretty much featured everywhere. I won't get into that. Y'all can go to my site and, and visit. But at the end of the day, like, who am I really so much about me is kind of 
rooted in being a social a social justice advocate within the workplace or the corporate st- structure, which is different because activism comes in different places. But for me, I've sort of always kind of considered myself like the Harriet Tubman of the corporate workforce. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So like I'm trying to take everybody with me. Right. And so um, that is who I am. Right. And. It, it's just a, such a it's just a, a such a, a dope thing. And, and it's funny for me and how me and you got close because I kind of play the corporate space, but don't play the corporate because I've yeah. kind of always had my own thing going on. And then in this radio journey, I kind of got into some corporate spaces and I kind of feel like you in a lot of ways where in a lot of situations I've been in, I've been the first one in the door to take a lot of hits when people don't even understand some of these meetings that we're in or some yeah. of the things that we're fighting for. OK, so as it relates to Black Lives Matter, one of the things that, that Brittany and I were talking about last week, of course, was mm-hmm. and, and that's why I'm so glad that you're here for this conversation is how it seems like right now, right now, everybody, the hashtags are singing Black Lives Matter. Corporate folks are, you know, like yeah. they, there's a bunch of money being thrown. There's there's yeah. teams inside now that are the mm-hmm. Black Lives Matters team. And one of the things that really got me and, and I've expressed this, you know, without just calling direct names, because I'm not, you know, like I'm not on the whole cancel train all the time. But yeah, like, I, I really have literally been in places and I've talked to you about this where I've been in places where. I can count that there are seven to 10 black people, African-American, however you want to label it, in the building, right? And Black History Month comes, and I don't even see a sticker. Yeah. Like, I don't even see a sticker. And now, now, it's like, oh, my God, because it's the biggest movement going. I'm watching from the top to the bottom. Everybody's using the hashtag. Every And my biggest thing with that was Black Lives Matter even if you want to go into just where we are with the culture right now, even we just go back to even before my time, let's go Rodney King. That's 91. Yeah. And the cycle has not, you know, it's not, it's not really changed. Not a lot from yeah. where me and you stand. So when you on that inside, right, where you are, what does that look like a lot to you when you see suddenly these teams are being, you know, suddenly yeah. we got, we got, a, we got a just a social justice team and you looking like, yo, I've watched you step over people and go around people for the longest time that don't even get an interview. Don't even yeah. get consideration. It's, it's, it's interesting, right? Because literally George Floyd was murdered. It's maybe been four weeks, give or take. Right. And overnight, you're like, what happened four weeks ago? Here's what you were telling me. Now, four weeks later, here we are, and there's this race to allyship, right? Because nobody really wants to be outed now that the curtain of injustice is sort of kind of pulled back, you know? Right. And what I what we call this in the DNI world is performative activism. And basically I call it slacktivism, right? Which is basically you have these broad gestures, you know, that you, you know, you're leaning into your external st- stakeholders. You're saying, you know, black lives do matter and you're doing, but everything behind closed doors and inside your internal organizations and how you, how you move and what you do is still very rooted in systemic racism. You know what right. I'm saying? And so if you, you, you're treating your internal black employees one way, but then you're making open statements another way. Right. Right. So when you um, were discussing this, last, what was that, last week? Last week's episode. And, yeah. and you were talking about this. I was like, wait, wait, wait. I raised my hand. I got something to say about this because it was so spot on in that you are calling out exactly like money is not enough, right? And also right. here, let me say this too, because not only have I done, you know, DNI, but one of the things that Egan and I worked on was his I Care About Me Foundation. And I have a really strong background in corporate social responsibility. And so when it comes to the nonprofit work, what people have to also understand is like giving an HBCU five million dollars. Great. Noble gesture. Right. Right. But some of these foundations within corporate companies have multi-million dollar budgets. So allocating five million dollars is a minimum. Okay, A. Right. Right. And it's a tax write off B. And then if you create a pipeline of, you know, black talent at HBCUs to come into your corporate organization, but only to be treated and not have the conditions to succeed, be treated poorly and not have the conditions to succeed, then we're still in the same place, right? Right. So at the end of the day, if we're not gonna talk about what you're going to fix internally in your organizations and dismantling systemic racist policy practices behaviors, then I don't really care what dollar amount you're gonna give, great, 
But here's the thing. Four weeks ago, you weren't giving that. Why? Let's right. talk about that. Let's have that question. Right. Because you had five million dollars to give four weeks ago. What changed? Right. And so there's this whole like pouring out. And so, again, you guys can Google it. But performative activism is really just when we need to stay awake. We need to stay woke around the fact that all of these noble things, we're reposting it, we're resharing it. And and we're like, oh, look what this X, Y, you know, they put out, you know, this, you know, they set up these movies of all black people when I log in. How dope, how cool, because right now Black Lives Matter is provocative. Right. right? And nobody wants to be seen as the organization that's not participating in this conversation. But at right. the end of the day, show me them org charts, though. Right. And and and. Is that is that and I don't I'm not sure if you know much about this or you may it's a it's a big news thing right now that Adidas is going through I guess because you know Adidas is you know Adidas I guess what's going on with their organization is all of a sudden a bunch of their their black employees was like yo like the same thing you were saying it's like okay you talk in this game but inside of here I, yeah. this is what's happening to us yeah yeah and I think now like one of their big HR people she just stepped down or whatever yeah and 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 is this is this pretty much like the standard? Am I just – because to me, it, it honestly – like, okay, let's let's look at radio. And again, I'm only telling you things that I actually see and I know. That's what I try to do like here. I, I don't – or either I'll ask a question of someone who I feel like you as an authority on it, right? Yeah. In radio, one of the things that we found out was – especially with the hip-hop culture. Like I would look at a hip-hop station, right? Yeah. And I, it seemed like it was no problem with putting someone who was of another another nationality on a hip hop station, mm -hmm. letting them be the program director, letting him run the station. But when it came to the pop stations or whatever, oh, it was hard for us to even get a look over there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying like it was hard yeah. for us to even get a look over there. And, you know, and they're talking about it in the industry now where it's like, OK, they're talking about getting rid of maybe the urban department. And then I saw another article. Right. And, and, and keep me on track here. Right. One of the guys was he was talking about. How if you look at the music, right, maybe you need to dismantle the pop department, too, because how come when Trey yeah. Songs or Jeremiah puts out a record, right, it's considered urban. So the budgets are less. You're not getting mm -hmm. the same support. But if Bieber puts out a record or Ariana Grande, it's immediately considered a pop record. Pop record. Yeah. And, and black people wrote it and produced it. Right. You understand exactly. what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and it, yeah. I mean, you still have the same if you take this, this really is the exact same model, even on the corporate side. Right. And I'm going to be I'm going to be 100 percent transparent for as long as I've been doing this work. If I went to a corporate executive and said, hey, I want to do something exclusively for black women. Right. It would be like I said, a, I said a cuss word. Like, are you kidding me? But if I said I want to do something for the LGBTQ community or I want to do something for women, right, it, it, which, you know, well, which could be largely like a woman's organization within a, a corporate structure, but largely more white um, audience. Fine. Right. No matter what I was asking for, I could get money for any segment. But if I said I wanted to specifically do something just for black women. Right. It was a problem. Right. Wow. And even though every day we're sitting at the table having a conversation about the pipeline and the lack of black talent and what we want to do. So it's like we're not going to throw real money at a, a, at a situation, but we're going to continue to talk about it and what we're going to do and all these good faith efforts. So. It's the same thing even on the corporate side, right? right? And all of it really has to do with just overall implicit bias and and how structurally we have so much it's there I don't even know how to fix it to be honest with you. Like even as a practitioner, it is so deeply rooted in the existence right. of like US history. Like when even when people ask me, "Well, how do we fix it?" right? It's just like Yo, like it is so deep. Right. It, it literally starts with the work has to start as a commitment by individual people who are benefiting in, in, within a system of systemic racism, if that makes sense. Like you, you got to do the work for yourself. Right. And so what we try to do is throw dollars at it. We're like, oh, we're going to do, you know, some cool initiative that's provocative and, and quiet as it's kept. We have. It, whether it's on the corporate side, whether it's in media, whether it's in entertainment, 
the black community has always been cool to co-op, right? Like everybody right. wants, they love our energy. They love our style. They love, so all those things have always been cool when, and especially if you work for a corporate company that's more of a consumer brand, you know, right. beverage or alcohol or all of it's been cool. But then when you look at the dollars and how they're investing their money, whether that's through supplier diversity, the vendors they're hiring, how they partner, you know, I mean, we could get into such a deep conversation, even when you think about influencers now. Right. And right. how black influencers are paid versus white influencers. I mean, it is so deep that, right. you know, I, I what I think the biggest thing that I want people to take away is your your initial point, which was the money is not good enough. Right. right. And to be careful when someone says, like, I'm going to give a hundred million dollars. Right. And I'm going to give 70 of it to you know, um, the National Negro College Fund, and I'm going to give to these two HBCUs, right? What does that mean, though? How is that money going to be utilized? How is that going to make it better? What are you going to do internally for your organization? We've got to start forcing the a stricter report card around what you're going to do differently around your behaviors, not just your dollars. Can, can can we can we can we dive a little bit into the diversity and inclusion conversation a little bit? Because like I don't definitely not even close to knowing what you know. And I think the people that that rock with us, I want them to hear more about it, because one of the things that I, that I do keep saying, and again, if you know me, you know, I move around the social media space a lot. So I'll see this announcement. I'll see that announcement. And yesterday, I think I was on Twitter or it could have been the day before. And a young lady tweeted. She goes, let's stop acting like the only position that we can get now is the diversity and inclusion inclusion director or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Can can you, first of all, before we go into that conversation, can we talk about a little bit, what what is the diversity and inclusion position supposed to be? What are they supposed to do now that there's suddenly all these positions are being announced? I mean, if you, someone put out a meme and you guys can probably find it, but it listed some of the top Fortune 100 companies in tech and banking and everywhere. And it looked at their organizational structure and everywhere you saw uh, a black C-suite leader, it was basically a diversity and inclusion role. Right. Um, and and I will say I don't know what the future state of the the pra- being a practitioner. I don't know what the future will bring. Right. I right. do think some of the goodness that came out of all of this is us being able to be unfiltered in a way that we've never been able to be before. Because okay. it's been largely very political, right? Right. Um, and so, you know, I have to agree with the sentiment, even though I'm a black, you know, DNI leader, um, we do become sort of a martyr for the people, right? Like we get into these organizations and all of our people are looking at us like, Tony, what you gonna do? Like, right. are you, you know, and our hands are sort of tied in that we don't, we're not always key decision makers, although we might be influencers. Um But ultimately, in these roles, the idea is that we're supposed to be identifying whatever disparities that exist in the company and working, creating integrated strategy for the company on how we can close those gaps. So whether that's in our talent pool or whether that's how we partner or whether that's how we spend our dollars, the roles can be, you know, you know, different, you know, depending on, you know, all of that. But ultimately, you know, sometimes they can be very much a formality role, vanity roles, vanity titles, right? Where right. you're a face. I can say I have someone in my C-suite that is doing this work, but they really don't have any real power, no internal resources, no teams. They're not paid as well as their operational peers. Um, so quite as is kept, even for DNI leaders, some of us um, can still very much be oppressed too, even in a role that's a high level role. Right. And it is, and are these roles as of late, are they just suddenly like, like looking in those fortune, fortune 100 companies that you were talking about, were those roles there before the black lives matter before the George Floyd, oh, the black yeah. lives matter movement? Oh yeah. I, I would say DNI roles largely have been around about 15 years uh, right. or so. Um, these roles have existed, you, you know, for years and years and years. Um, and, and so these are not new now. Are there, are there companies who are coming to the table now saying we need to create one? Absolutely. I've, right. I've had, I have, my phone has rang more in the last four weeks, more, more roles forwarded to me. Would I be oh, interested? Wow. 
than it has in the last seven years. Wow. But is that are these are these roles going to change anything? Do you think, in your opinion? Because I mean, one of the one of the points you made that I'm I'm definitely holding on to is. I feel like the same way I feel about like a lot of the money. I think the money, the numbers are cool when they get thrown out. You know what I'm saying? And and even even stepping back a second and let's look in the nonprofit space, right? Since I've been in this space, it's been a lot to learn. It's been a lot to learn about how they get grant money. And 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 actually, what's funny to me is it's made me kind of create my own way of how I want to get money. Of like keeping my right. hustle legal, of course, but keeping my hustle of like, yo, there's other ways to do it. These kids now are getting the message different ways. We gotta we gotta go to where we are today as well as still use some of the same principles, right? So when you look at like where they're throwing some of this money at, right? And and it be seemed like it seemed like to me, once people are in these certain pipelines, right? They're just they're in these roles or they're in they know where to get the money from. Mm-hmm. From your side, and like I said, you see a probably a, you like I said, you probably look at more charts and more things than I than I probably would ever look at. I'm getting into that more now because I feel like that's the only way I'm gonna really be able to affect real change. With these roles or with this money that's being thrown around, and and maybe over the last year, even coming up to now. Has it really made any real change or are we just going to probably see maybe a year from now some real change? And this might not be a fact, but just just your thoughts on where you think it's going. Well, let me tell you this. Like, I'm a visionary. And I uh-huh. remember I sat down. Um, I won't call him out, but I sat down with a, I pitched an idea to a very well-known CEO for uh, he owns a software that is very prevalent in the DNI space, and I won't say what it is. Um, and I told him, and this was probably about two and a half years ago, I said, if you're watching, if you're paying attention to what is happening, there's becoming this intersection of social justice, DNI, right, and corporate social responsibility. And I think that you should evolve your software to a, for there to be a tool to hold everyone accountable and how they measure it internally in corporate companies, like so to speak, a, a, a scorecard. I said this two and a half years ago because I saw what was happening. Right. So let me explain to you what I think is happening and what, and I'm going to answer your question on whether or not this will be a formality or not. One, you have a couple things. The, the generational workforce is changing, right? Baby boomers got gold watches. They stayed for 40 years. They were taught like whatever we got, we should be happy for, grateful for. They were grateful to retire. But the landscape of companies is changing. And as millennials rise to leadership, people pick on millennials. But millennials are old. Millennials about to be 40 next year. Right. Right. So when millennials are rising to leadership, their their entire palette, they watch their grandparents, you know, potentially, you know, you know, be in the civil rights era. They watch their parents work jobs and then be laid off. And like, you know, like, you know, for some of the big, you know, car companies and things like that, when we were coming out um, of that entire situation. And so ultimately, millennials now are like your the company that I work for has to serve me like this is a mutual benefit. And so as they ascend to leadership, they're not as complacent. They're not as silent. Right. So then on top of that, so keep that in mind, you have that going on here. Then you also have social media, right? Which you and I, we both went to college together. We didn't have social media, thank God, because a lot of stuff (laughs) would not have had me in corporate. But now over the last, what, 10 years or so, we're now watching social media become this thing that it never was before. So your ability to find people, out people, do things is totally different, right? right? So you have a whole black Twitter, right? And when they come for you, It's like they coming for you. Right. Right. So now corporate companies back 20 years ago, 10 years ago, had the ability to stay silent. I I know I work for a very large conservative company that was offering same sex benefits, but would never list it because they were conservative. Right. Ah. So they offered it. They were doing that thing. But for years, until it became provocative and pride became a bigger thing, then they start saying, oh, we do this thing. And they had been doing it for years, but they wouldn't necessarily advertise it because it kind of went against who they who they, who they were, right. who they were. Right. And so now what is happening is the world is evolving. So when you going back to your original question, when you asked me, is this a formality or not? I think some things are going to be a formality. Just they they just are. There's a lot of people who are talking, but I do think 
that what this is opening the door for is for certain people to get into certain roles and to come in and say, you hired me to speak my mind. You hired me to do these things. So I do also think that there is going to be an evolution, a revolution, right, of what will be tolerated and what won't. And you even see it with like the Me Too movement, right? Like women are like, nah, like I'm just not going to be sexually harassed for on the job anymore. Like I'm just going to tweet it out. You write a letter write an open letter, like it's, it's, it's lights out. It's canceled. Like that we're canceling you period. Right. Right. I think the same thing is happening for black lives, but I think the difference between say sexual harassment or, you know, kind of, uh, more of a gender issue versus a, a racial issue is that you, the U S history around systemic racism, it is so deeply rooted in our DNA that I can't sit here and tell you that a year from now, all of it will be fixed. Right. Right. Um, But I think we're headed in the right direction. Um, But uh, I will say if I had to give you a number, 60 percent of these companies, this is performative activism. 60 percent of these companies are going to go back to doing what they were always doing. But I do think that there's a great deal, like about 40 percent. That's like, nah, we got to do something different. Right. Let me let me ask you this, because you you you. And that's what's so dope about you. When I watch how you move in these spaces, you've always had very much a cool ear, too. So so when you when you see things and I and I often talk about this too, these entertainers. Right. How much? Because I honestly don't like I really don't. I think that Terry Crews has a platform. Right. But what Terry Crews says, I honestly don't be putting too much stock in because he's just a dude like me. Do you think that we're putting too much stock into like like, okay, let's use Terry Crews, for an example, or a Candace Owens who has, you know, these followers and they talk, you know, they say these things. And and because they're black, like I don't immediately think because somebody's black that they speaking for me. I just don't. Like I'm I'm sorry. I I think within our culture, I understand why people are irate. Like now is not the time. Right. It's, Right. It's like when you go to a family outing. And then, you know, that always drunk uncle, you know, he started he's like, come on, man. Like we right. had this talk. Right. So I understand why people are responding that the way they are, because this is such a critical time and we want to keep people focused on what's important and not your shenanigans. But at the same time, there are certain people like Candace Owens and Terry. I, 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 I personally, I don't share. I don't participate because I want to stay on topics like Breonna Taylor you know right. what I mean? I want to I want to make sure that we're still having this the right conversations. And so for me, I don't participate in the conversations on social. I don't reshare um, because that is just not important to me. And I'm, I guess, from an EQ perspective, just mature enough to know that, like, what I, I want my platform to solely be focused on things that matter and right. not just, you know, to be in a provocative conversation. Um, do we give a lot of stocks to celebrities? I think it's yes and no, right? I think celebrities, um, I, I think if we're going to, quiet as it's kept, if we're going to really talk about systemic racism, I think a lot of times we think, to your point, one, black people are very just like white people, just like Latinx, like whatever. Like we're all different. We're not one, you know, personality, right? So we're going to have the, the, you know, the whole gamut when it comes to our personalities. Right. Um, and how we, you know, and our, and even our set, you know, our set of beliefs is going to be different, right? Based on how we were raised, our our, our upbringing and experiences. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I think that when we think about systemic racism, one of the things that we have to think about is like, it is a, a full system and all of us participate in it. And so like when white people say, well, I'm not racist or I don't see color, it's like not about are you racist? It's how am I racist and how am I participating in my HOA when I call when I when I when I use my whiteness as a weapon when I like how are you behaving in a system of oppression and right. and let's be clear even sometimes for Black people when we are middle class and we're used to certain comforts you know and so when you talk about celebrities there's also a level of privilege as a celebrity and access and attention and the things that you've gotten. So all of us have to participate in laying something down in order to move the movement forward. Right. Honestly, I feel like that sometimes, too. I feel like um, because, you know, me, I I ain't with a lot of the the BS, even though I know everything from the hood dudes to dudes who are like, I really feel like they they, they strictly professional. They wear slacks to all the cookouts, you know, what I'm saying that sort of thing. Right. But I, I did start to feel 
as much as I and I don't know if I can say I really avoided it. I just don't be with the BS. Right. So I'm not a weed smoker. I don't I don't want to be in that corner. But I do. And I and I think it's even come at me more in this last like six months, because, I mean, you, you've been with me on this journey a lot where I, I feel like sometimes I still have not found my voice until I kind of am in this space I'm at right now. And I still I, right now, I feel probably more than ever that I need to keep going back and not so much stay back there. But look, be like, yo, man, give him an extra pep talk. of Look, bro, you don't understand what we going through right now. I get it. You've got eight thousand in your pocket right now. But that could be gone tomorrow. And, and, and if you got just money in your pocket, what are you doing for you got kids? You know, say so what? Where are they gonna be with that little eight thousand in your pocket in in six months? And and I'm I like I said, one of the biggest things to me that I think that you know, and I mentioned this on the on the pod is there should be a certain level of teaching that's going on here. You know what I'm saying? And and because if we're just throwing money again, like we talked about in the beginning, we got to show people how to how to act and what's going on right now and how we get out of this. Because I like like because I think you know it starts too, and this is the part that gets me most is. We just ain't valued. Yo, we just, yeah. We, we're I mean, just not as a, we're just not we're just like we just black people just are not valued. Like they will like and if, I think the one thing I say is all the time they love our rhythm, but they ain't they don't want to fuck they don't want to mess with the blues. You know what I'm saying? That yeah. All. No. 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 You no, know. Absolutely not. We, we just ain't valued. And and how do we how do we with all the things that we've done, all the things that we watch them emulate? Right. You know, and I ain't saying that we've done everything that's out here. That's I mean, kind of. I mean, when you look at, <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. When you look at inventions, when you look, at, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly, constantly floored every time I learn more history about our people and what we've invented and the things that we've created. It is, it is mind-blowing, right. right? You can almost account for most things that were created in some way are tied to Black Americans. Like, right. it's just insane. Um, and I think we have to get to a point where, you know, and I've said this, you know, to people, right? Like, you cannot be the benefactor of my Black brilliance and not respect my people, not honor my talents, like, for me, but not everyone is there, right? You know, there's a meme, you know, that has been circulating. Like some of y'all are who Harriet Tubman would have left behind. Like right. everybody's not there. You know, everybody's not there. And even in the corporate space, when I talk about DNI roles kind of being a martyr, and even before I got into DNI and I was doing HR, you know, you know how many people would, you know, just, you know, it was it was hard because it's like I want to help, but everyone is just not that's not the same, you know they're not made up of the same kind of makeup DNA. Right. right? And so, um, I have a personally like you, I have a lot of empathy for that. I think you and I both have a lot of empathy for what it's like to grow up differently. Um, which is why, you know, we, we work so hard with, I care about me and really wanting to instill in underprivileged areas and for kids that didn't necessarily have that type of type of reputation, you know, um, representation for them. Um, but again, you know, when you talk about the conversation of like, is it their responsibility? I, I say yes and no, right? Like I don't give a lot of credence to people who are um, not helping right. the movement. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are a lot of folks that are silent and I'm like, huh, right? So we got to we have the ability as consumers to control our dollars, as followers to control who we follow that relates to dollars. So that's that's everybody like everybody can get it at this point for me. Right. Like if you and that's not to say that I feel like, you know, everything that people are doing is not like the revolution ain't got to be televised. Right. So everything that people are doing, like you could look at my my Instagram and you, you, I'm busy doing the work. So I don't always have time to be like, y'all, I'm doing the work. Right. Right. So I'm not talking about a play by play or how much you wrote, but it's about your character. What are you displaying? Right. Those things, like it's important for us to be in relationship um, with our dollars, our money, our followership with people who are, who are moving the movement forward. Right. Okay. Couple, couple of more points before I let you get out of here. And also, too, can you promise me now that that you'll come back? Like, I I know your schedule will be crazy, but if you can come back like once a quarter, because I think that we need to keep having, especially from a corporate side, I would like for you to just be that, be that 
no other term right now because I don't I don't have the cool term for it right now, but friend of the show. That yes, can, I think because I think that show? yeah, because I think that space. I just I just want to keep diving into this even because yeah. I you know like I, it's funny that once I finally really stepped away from radio and and determined that I didn't exactly need it every day. Not that I don't like it still, but but it was more so now like I want to do it on my terms. Like I don't I don't really care about the microphone as much. I care more about what are we making happen and the business of it all, which yeah. I have for the longest time. But now it, it matters even more. So. With that being said, I want to make sure that you come back. And I think Brittany need to be here for some of the things you say, too, because Brittany could definitely hear some of the things you say because she's a female. She's brown. She, yeah. And well, yeah. That's another conversation. But before I let you get out of here, a couple more points I want to I want to touch on. One, which I know this is super important to you, your family. You are raising a, black a son, son. Right. Mm-hmm. A black son. What are the talks that are you and how old is he? How old is he now? He's small. Right. right. So he's four. He'll be okay. five here soon. Um, and right now at this small of an age, um, you know, there, there are gentle conversations, right. Around race, about being Brown, about being proud. There's more affirmational exercises around being, liking yourself and loving yourself and history. Right. Um, we don't too much get into like the traumas of being a black boy. So for me, and this is a personal choice, everybody is different. I still want to protect some of his black boy joy, right? I want him to still have a childhood and some innocence. So I don't um, I don't put a lot on him and I kind of shield him a little bit from the world while I have that control. I think I probably have another year or two before that will go out of the door because technically, you know, my son is not in, you know, elementary school yet, right? And so when right. he gets into that, he'll be, there are things I won't be able to control and conversations will have to evolve. Um, but- for me, my sole goal is to raise a good global citizen, right? right. He has okay. he he has to be someone's partner one day. He has to be a good human to the earth. He has to be a good human to people. Um, so I'm focused on what are the skills that he needs to add value to this world so that right. he leaves it better than what he found it. And that is the core focus for me as a mom. Right. That, see, that, that, you just all just all all rounded. That's why that's why I love you, Tony. That's why I love you. <laughs> and 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 let let's finish with this point right here because this is kind of where our conversation has 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 been here. And that's why I can't. I just want you to keep coming back because I want to revisit this when we're talking Black Lives Matter. And you know, Brittany and I were having this conversation as well. I don't quite know. And again, I feel like. And I, like I said, I told people too. I tell them on my Twitter. I tell them on all my platforms. Hold me accountable because I feel like I'm learning as I, like you said, I'm evolving in this conversation as well. So, and I want to do my part with my platform, with where I'm trying to go, and that sort of thing, right? But, and maybe you know a little bit more than I do. Do you know what we're ultimately asking for with Black Lives Matter? Have we established that, or are we yeah. going towards that, or is it multiple things, or what should we be asking for? Listen, um, and it's an evolving question. I know. I know. Listen, we have I, I think now. the challenge is that we there are some amazing voices in the movement, right? Um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement founders um, who are absolutely amazing. Um, which obviously 45, the occupant came for overnight. I don't know if you saw that in the news where he was, you know, calling Black Lives Matter movement kind of like a, you know, he, he all kind of, I won't even repeat, but half the things that he says is um, it's dangerous um, for, right. for, for, for everyone. Um, and divisive. And divisive. But um, there are, I think the challenge is it's so noisy now. So many people can make noise that we don't realize like who some of the leaders are. You know, a lot of people say like, oh, you know, back in the day, you knew there was sort of this communal effect. And you had like Martin Luther King and you had Malcolm X and there were lanes. And um, it was, you know, really more demographically where you were located, whether you were West Coast or whether you were East Coast or whether you were South. Right. And um, or North. Right. And so you when you kind of look at how leaders are, there are some amazing voices, I think, in the movement now. Right. Um, you have um, everyone, Brit- Brittany Packnett. Um, you have uh, Rachel Cargill. You have uh, Tahishi Coates. You have. um Angela Rye, you have, there are a lot of, there are a lot of people that I try to stay connected to what they're saying, what they're, what they're, what they're doing. And there's probably a ton more names. I have a whole laundry list of people that I follow. Um, but I, I think that they're, 
um, we need to pay pay closer attention to um, the leaders and the voices within the movement um, mm-hmm. because I think that it gets noisy. Right. And if you really want to focus in on like what should I personally be doing in my activism, I would say follow some of those voices. But on top of that, I would say how are you managing your own household, right? Like, how are you spending your dollars? Like, everybody wants to want everybody wants to drive an exotic fly car, but go on and pull those corporate social, you know, responsibility reports, those annual reports. See who's inside those organizations, right? You know, you have some outstanding companies like, listen, Ben and Jerry's was like, we've been told y'all this. We, we right. like Ben and Jerry's is like, we've been doing this work before it was cool to do this work. You understand what I'm saying? Right. We've been dismantling the system one scoop at a time with ice cream, right? So there's some companies that deserve to be elevated because they've been they've been in the marathon with us way before everybody starts sprinting, right? So I I think that's important where you spend your dollars. So for me, me and my husband have gotten very clear about like the type of cars we drive, who we build with, you know, where we invest our money. We put we put a percentage of our wealth into black, a black bank. We selected a black bank. Um, And you saw a couple of um, major corporations coming out saying that they're going to take a percentage of their assets and put it into black banks. Right. Right. So so there are so many things that I mean, I think before you can even become like a true external activist, the very first thing that you can do is become an activist in your home. Right. Like start with what can you do? In your neighborhood HOA, like, do you need to be sitting on that board? Do you need to be on somebody's city council? Do you need to be? Um, there's a really great thing happening for me that'll come out on Monday, and it's about the city of Dallas and some of the things that I'll be doing. I can't say it right now because I don't know when this is gonna come out. But um, <laughs> but what I'll say is that I even, as somebody who's doing this work, have had to challenge myself about what I could be doing more. So I live in a suburb of Dallas. And I was like, listen, my little city mayor in my little suburb need to know my name. So I was harassing him on email like, sir, uh, are you going to start a task force? Can I be on that task force? How can I provide my insight? Here's my bio. He was like, ma'am, if you send me one more email. But the thing is, is that even I doing this work realize there's more that I can be doing. There's more that I can be influencing. So I think our first step, if we're really going to elevate the movement is to do the work independently for ourselves. Right. Dude. And, but like you said too, I think that starting with the person in the mirror, as crazy as it is, as yeah. simple as it sounds, starting with that person. And then also too, like another point you made earlier, it's not always, you don't always have to be like, I did it. I did it. Just get it yeah, done. Like just get it done. done. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just get it done. And it, every time I think I'm gonna let you out of here, something else come up that, you, that, cause I just, I just want, I want your insight. Like, and I, again, I don't want this to overrun it because I want you to make sure that you want to come back. But while we were speaking about people to follow, right? I've been thinking about this for a few days because it was somebody that I really valued his opinion when I would see him on CNN. And then all of a sudden, this story breaks the other day, and I'm talking about Van Jones. And I don't—I mean, you've seen pretty pretty up on things. You know who Van Jones is? Yes, I'm very familiar. Yeah. Right. And this story comes out: CNN's Van Jones reportedly helped craft Trump police reform order in secret. Um, I guess what that means is he's been. Yeah, he's had he's had about. a very so for one, let's just say this: he's had a complicated past. He's been very forthcoming about it. Um, okay. I think a large a lot of his sentiment has changed over the years. Right. And he, here's the thing: I know if most of you have seen Just Mercy, there's a line in that movie where he said, "You know, we're all better than the worst thing we've ever done." So let me let me say this about Van Jones: I think he's done some amazing work as it relates to um, our criminal justice system and reform. I think he continues to do good work. Um, but listen, he has he has a a past that is a little complicated. And um, I think it's up to you individually on, you know, whether or not you believe that I'm not the judge and the juror of like who, you know, everyone. But we are all better than what, you know, and and I'll say this in fairness. Right. Because I started I told you I started my career in H.R. 17 years ago, I can remember hiring people and say, for example, a black male comes in, he fails the background, right? And he lied on his application. And I used to remember feeling embarrassed and being like, why would he lie and blah, blah, blah. But over the years of doing this work, 
right? right? And understanding criminal justice reform, understanding the flawed system of criminal justice, understanding how you might have a white male in corporate who can be hired to do a job with a criminal past, but because of the kind of crime he committed, he can have the job. He can even have the job and smoke meth every week, and we'll put him through an FMLA program to because we call his drug habit a uh, you know, a disease, right? Wow. But because you sold drugs to eat, you're disqualified from this role forever, even when you're trying to feed your kids and turn your life around. So even who I started out as, as a practitioner has evolved. So I want right. to say that we have to give a little bit of grace that people are better than the worst decision they ever made. And they're entitled to journey and to have a different perspective. Right now, right. I haven't seen the new Van Jones and I don't know how recent that was or wasn't, but I know that he has a complicated past, but I also know that he's done some great work too. So it's, it's kind of, you know, you know, six in one hand, a half a dozen in the other. Right. And I think the biggest thing about this Van Jones thing, too, is like you said, and, and, and I'm definitely I am. I will say this over and over. I'm not a fan of cancel culture. We all yeah. have made mistakes to me. I'm, I'm a fan of change behavior. And sometimes you got to be in some ugly fights in order to get some real work done. Right. right. I think the biggest part of this thing without reading it, because I didn't I have this this particular article was in the New York Post and it came out on the 29th. And so I had explored it a lot when it was on Twitter. You know, what I'm saying a lot of it was coming down Twitter and it was like, yeah, I told you Van Jones was this. And, you know, DL had had some choice words that he had said about him before. I think the biggest part of this thing is when it says help craft Trump police. So anytime your mm-hmm. name is anywhere associated around Trump, around Donald Trump and you are black immediately, it's like, nah, bro, he ain't for us at all. He right. He ain't, yeah. he ain't for us at all. So in yeah. all fairness, to end on that point, I, I think that what you said is was, can I get the Just Mercy quote again? And I saw the movie too. Just I just saw the movie yeah. too, like a week and a half ago. What's the quote so we can, we can I want to leave them with that. Yeah. Yeah. We're all better than the worst thing we've ever done. I, I think that is when you when people are trying and that's that's one of the things we talk about and I care about me, too, is you can't go back and change the mistakes that you've made. But from here, you can move forward. And we, we just got a lot of work to do. I, I'm just glad that my work is side by side with you and that you came in. And now you have agreed to be you're, a you're, friend you're, of the show. You are, my, you are our first friend of the show, Tony. Like I have never even I have never even said that to anybody before. Like yeah. I, have, I, I have never that is I. I am honored. I, I, I listen. I listen to the episodes. I think they're hilarious. Um, and I'm happy to be a friend of the show. And, um, you know, I just love you and I appreciate you. And I, and I appreciate the voice that you just, you give in this space. Like, you, you know, I think you are amazing. I thought you was amazing before you knew you was amazing. So, Hey, I'm, I'm just trying it. And I think, like you said, it's a lot of work to do. And I don't I don't understand all the work yet. But I, what I am doing and, and it's, it's a fight some days. But I think one of the best pieces of advice is that advice that you gave too is get up in the morning and do what you can. You know, what I'm right. saying? the world is it's way too much that has happened in the world for us to think that it's going to get changed in six days, six months maybe even a year, but we right. got start going in this direction, then we can help make some change. So, so that part, I appreciate it. Where can they find you at online? Cause you, you got quite a few things Listen, online. Everything, right? So, but the easiest way to find me online is at the corporate T on all social media handles. It's super easy. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you know, you can find me at the corporate T T E A. And you're, and you're doing some other things too. You do like, like seminars and stuff too. Don't yeah, I, I, man. No. Like, so you can, re- you know, the corporate obviously you can find me online, right? I have my annual, um, conference that I do for women. Obviously COVID is throwing a monkey wrench in everyone, but it's called power moves. Um, and it focuses on, um, you know, career, um, advice and development for women of color. Um, I have, you know, my consulting arm for my company. So I do a lot of partnership, um, with, you know, uh, small and medium sized companies on how they can really develop their internal infrastructure and, you know, DNI, you know, lens as well. So I'm just, you know, me, I'm always moving and shaking and um, I'm just I'm just trying to lead the world better than I found it. I like it. I like it. I like it. And I appreciate you. And you will come back soon. And of course, like yes. you said, find her at the corporate T. And it's like I, I love I love how you move around social too in the digital space, because there's always like I may be scrolling all fast and being just to, I try not to look at as many twerk videos anymore, Tony. But, you know, then <laughs> thank I'll God. See, thank you God. Know, you've been delivered. <laughs> you know, I'll see something dope that you post and it'd be advice for everybody. But I, I do I do love very much how you champion um, black girl magic. I think that is, that is a very a very dope space to 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 be in as well all right we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get this world in a better place we yeah. are i promise <laughs> for Thank everybody you for having me i, this was I appreciate so you fun. 
No, I'm I'm glad you're here. And you know, I I'm like I said, I I I can't wait for Brittany to come back and meet you. And she 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 did call me before. She's like, Ekin, I'm gonna have to miss today. So she did want to say hello and that she can't wait to meet you. And again, I I think I love about having Brittany here too is there's some things that I might miss in my conversation with you, right? That yeah. she'll just be like, and I'll be like, well, I didn't even think of that. And, and just from you know her psyche of thinking, well, and you know, we're both even though in this entertainment thing, it's great I think to have someone like you on because. Even in this entertainment space, a lot of people don't understand we're dealing with corporate. We deal with when we're in these spaces. We deal with HR. We deal with, like I said, in the in these genres of music and entertainment, it's all kind of intertwined. So the diversity is yeah. there. The wanting to be included. We all go through that, man. So. I, so, again, I appreciate you being here um, on, on my little DJ Eakin podcast. And, you know, we moving in a good direction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, for everybody that rocks with us, of course, you can find me um, at DJ Eakin across all the socials. And it's at Brunch with Brittany, of course, for her. And again, Tony Howard Lowe at The Corporate Tea on all of her socials. And your site is up too, right? TheCorporateTea.com? Yeah, at TheCorporateTea.com. They can find me. She be ready on digital, boy, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Rock with us, man. Shouts out to Radio Influence, uh, as always, having our back, man. And again, um, for the entire family of the DJ Eakin podcast, we gone. Thank you. This is a Live Bold and Boss Up Quick Fix on Radio Influence. He is the founder and chair of Think Big for Kids, which is a nonprofit organization that helps our underprivileged youth. He co-founded TriBridge in 1998, and he has received many different awards. Welcome, Tony DiBenedetto. Jenny Tribby uh, was ran PR and part of marketing for TriBridge, and I stuck her in a room with me for three days. She probably hates this experience. <laughs> and I had a big white, like all the walls were painted so you could write on them. And we just started writing all the things we had learned over 20 years. You know, at what age does a kid start learning? At what age do these kids give up? But do scholarships work? How does mentoring work? What do, what do big brothers do? I called Pam Iorio, former mayor of Tampa, who's running nationally Big Brothers and Big Sisters, and went to school on that. And we just wrote this program on the board, which turned out to be Think Big for Kids. And uh, I called a couple folks because I said, there's going to be a lot of stakeholders in this. There's going to be the kids, of course, our number one stakeholder. But we can't do this program without businesses in Tampa or in, in the local business community. We can't do it without local government and the school system and parents and so we started reaching out to different constituents and got them to buy in so I called Chris Lestos who was the executive director of the Boys and Girls Club he loved it he just this was like June of 16 I think and he had a meeting in August of 16 with all all over Florida they were bringing all the executive directors in and he wanted me to pitch the group on this concept and then I called Brian Murphy of ReliaQuest and I called Jody Haneke of Haneke Design I said look I want to know if you guys are going to be in on this with me and found this organization with me and both of them in 10 minutes of just talking about what the problem is we're all in they're like Tony man we're all in on this so we pitched the Boys and Girls Club and we signed a pilot agreement with them in August 2016 and it's been a phenomenal ride the last four years Live Bold and Boss Up with Stephanie Marchese and Ashley Jiraki can be found on Apple Podcasts Stitcher Tune In Google Podcasts the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com.